And now, live in studio, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. He's a successful entrepreneur, published author, top listing agent, a real estate and finance expert that goes to bat for you every day as a consumer advocate. Your host and the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. Hello and welcome in. Uh, this is not Brandon Rhymes, your consumer quarterback. Today is James DeJerome, your backup quarterback. Brandon is out today, and uh, we've got the Consumer Quarterback Show all queued up for you. We've got a great show planned for you today. Uh, joining me today is attorney Joe Pippen. Now, you folks out there probably know Joe from his successful radio show. He's been on the air in Tampa Bay for quite a while. Uh, but you may not understand estate planning, and I, certainly I'm one who did not. Uh, I, I understood last night when I was trying to research a little bit for this show that I'm not really prepared uh, as I need to be. So if you're out there listening and you haven't thought about estate planning or, or, or wills or or, or probate. There's a lot of terminology that I'm not even familiar with. This might be the show for you because I think Joe can really provide some insight and help you understand what it is that you need to know and how valuable this stuff is. So welcome in, Joe. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Tell me a little bit about, before we even start on the on the, on the the technical stuff, you got the radio chops. I'm, I'm jealous. Tell me about your radio background. Well, I've uh, hosted Ask an Attorney All About Florida Law now for 34 years. Wow. In fact, this, uh, this month, the Tampa Bay Magazine did a full-page profile article on the longest-running show in Florida, actually. And I've been teased years. about that, you know, maybe the only body that's been on radio longer than you is the, is the Grand Ole Opry show. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I enjoy doing it. Uh, what I did one day is I was, um, took a, I was used to write articles for uh, the local papers that, you know, they get thrown on your uh, yard once a week. So I had a whole bunch of articles written, and I turned that into a little book. Okay. And then one day I took a little stack of books to the local radio station, and I said, if you ever need a guest, I'd be glad to come on and answer legal questions. And I got uh, invited right away to, 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 uh, to be a guest on a show. And then the um, manager of the station was there that day, and he said, you know, I did this same thing with an attorney up in Illinois, and it was a really successful show. How would you like to have your own show? That fast. And they gave me a three-hour show. I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> wow. They gave me a three-hour show, and that kind of started my radio career. And that was in 1984. How about that? So I imagine just like today, folks start lining up on the phone because this is an area that just they just don't have a, access to knowledge that they can trust. I mean, it seems like right. they're all interested in finding out. Yeah, everybody wants free information, too. So if you've got a professional in there, you know, whether it's a doctor um, or an attorney or some professional that's giving away free advice, basically. I do a 52-minute straight shot, no commercials. Wow. There are no commercials, and I don't really advertise. I'll give out my phone number once in a while on the poster sheet that, that I you know, gave you to look at earlier. Mm-hmm. I offer to give that away. So we get requests, a bunch of requests every week for that. But that's as close as I come to an advertisement. And without that, they're lined up half hour before the show yeah. starts. Well, uh, unlike you had to prepare a little bit last night. I go into my show totally unprepared because I don't know what I'm going to be asked. How about that? So the phones start ringing, and I have a host of characters. Some of them, uh, most of the show questions are educational. There are some very entertaining questions. I bet. Uh, once in a while, like a couple of weeks ago, I had a question about a man who wanted to know if he could shoot an alligator that was on his property. <laughs> no. You, you know, and uh, it got to be funny after a while because I said, no, you have to be permitted. You can't just kill alligators. Sure. They're protecting an animal. And he says, what if I tied a chicken to my leg and went over to the lake and then started going backwards and he came out of the lake charging me? I said, what are you going to try to use a stand your ground? 
defense on an alligator now when you uh, entice them to come after you? So I, I, it's a bunch of funny questions. I had a question one time. A lady wanted to know if she could probate her own will. Of course, you have to die first, so, so she wasn't going to be able to do that. And after about the third attempt of uh, explaining that to her, so I think she might have understood. <laughs> and that's the idea. You know, folks out there think you understand what a will, you think you understand what a will is. That's just the, you know, scratching the surface with the this legal documentation that you really need. Absolutely. And everybody needs at least a will. So I would ask you if you had a will, but I don't want to embarrass you. Yeah, here. please don't. <laughs> a lot of people don't, you know, probably the highest, they're uh, uh, when I give uh, speaking engagements, which if anyone needs a speak, uh, speaker for a group, I love to do that, and I do several a week. But I asked uh, the audience, I said, okay, what do you think the most popular option in estate planning is? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people will guess wills, a few people will guess trust. And I say, nope, the most popular option is doing nothing, because <laughs> that's what most people choose to do or have done. There's nothing yet. You know, they don't like dealing with dying. They don't like dealing yeah. with um, attorneys. I don't understand that one, but they don't understand. They don't like dealing with parting with their assets, so they put it off and put it off and put it off, and sometimes they never get to it. So, I can see that how that happens. Uh, tell me, if you're a single person, why why the idea that oh hey I'm single? Why would I need you know I don't have anything no family to to worry about? It's still important. Well, see, if you don't do a document, guess what? The state does it for you. So the state of Florida has written a, written a will for you if you don't have one. And there's a statutory scheme of how your assets would be distributed. So if you wanted to give to your parents, I mean, if you don't have, if you're not married and you don't have children, then it's going to go to your parents. Suppose one of them's in a nursing home. You could, they could lose benefits because you didn't do planning and now they're stuck with getting assets where they enjoy where they are and they're on Medicaid. Suppose you, your parents aren't living, so it goes to your um, siblings. Suppose one of your siblings uh, has an addiction problem. Now they have a, a pot of money to use on their addiction, and you could have done a much better plan to help them as opposed to hurt them. And sometimes doing nothing really hurts people. I've seen people lose government benefits. I've seen pe- unwise people that don't know how to manage money get now get money, and they waste it very quickly. Um, addictions, money's used improperly for addictions when it could have been used for rehab and help as opposed to just giving them a pot of money. Right. So a lot of bad things happen when you don't do nothing. And plus it goes through probate. It's costly and takes a long time. So if you're out there and you think, well, I don't have uh, anyone to take care of. I'm not worried about it so much. It's something you need to plan. Uh, there's no way around it. Yeah, uh, Joe's just telling you about what you must have. There's a lot of things that you should have that aren't even in the critical factor that would make your life a lot easier for those around you uh, if, in the event of some unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, there are a bunch of things in estate planning that are very, be very helpful. One's a durable power of attorney. Now, what is a power of attorney? It's a You would give someone a power that you trust to do things for you. In fact, if it's a very broad power of attorney, they could do anything you could do. So suppose you have a stroke or a car accident or you become disabled somehow and you're not able to function 100%. Let's say you can only function 30% for some reason. Okay. Well, someone now has the power, because you gave it to them, the power to act in your behalf. And sometimes if you're down to 10 or 20%, you might have to be declared incompetent through a court, which is expensive, time-consuming, and you lose all of your rights, and basically everything you could do has been taken away from you. Uh, if you have someone that has a power of attorney, you can avoid being declared incompetent. You can avoid the court. And you've given someone the power to act in your behalf to do anything you could do. 
uh, to, to avoid all that. And, and that's a relationship you had time to develop uh, before the incident occurred. So it's someone that knows how you think or had thought well, at yeah, the time. Well, yeah, it could be a parent or a sibling, actually. So in fact, most of the time it is. And uh, also a healthcare surrogate. So you give someone the power to make healthcare decisions for you. And if you can't make them yourself, guess what? You're going to be declared incompetent. If you give some, you sign a document, a fairly simple document, three or four page document, for example, that gives someone the power to make the healthcare decisions for you, then you've avoided a guardianship proceeding again, because now you have someone that can act in your behalf, look out for your best interest. And someone that you chose. So these are all things out there that I'm sure I was woefully unaware of. You may be as well. You want to reach out to Joe Pippen and find out where you stand and what you can do to improve your situation because you don't want to get caught unaware and being put yourself and your family in a bind. Right. Now, if you do nothing like the will, this, the will the state makes for you goes through probate. Probate is a very costly process that you can avoid. A uh, normal probate fee is 3 to 6%. It takes six months to a year or longer. It's a uh, public record that you went through probate that other people can look at. In fact, people find houses from the probate court that, you know, somebody died. Oh, somebody died. Let's see if they had a house. Let's see if they own a house. Let's see if the estate wants to sell the house. I, I, I get postcards and letters every week from people who want, want the listing on houses on people that they know that I started the probate estate. Because you're the first uh, one to have that knowledge. Yeah, well, it's a public record. And they know who the attorney was. And they, they see who the personal representative is, but they know the attorney's probably the one that's uh, calling the shots and making decisions. So they, they bombard the, the attorneys with, uh, you know, let me list this house. Let me help you sell this house. Wow. We, we'll buy the house from you without going, uh, with having it listed. We, we buy houses. And if, they, if they're in a search for uh, houses that need to be fixed up, I mean, they, they probably go on the public records and see the value of the house. And maybe they drive down the community and take a look and you know they have their little niche of the type of house they're looking for so they 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 target the attorney basically mm -hmm. to uh to come up with the information you mentioned a window of of some three to six months in the probate process well probate uh takes six months to a year actually what goes on during that time period okay so why it takes so long the when you start a probate you have to advertise and put the uh you have to advertise in a newspaper saying that you're now open up an estate and creditors have uh, 60 days to file a claim on the estate. So you okay. have to advertise to the world now, so-and-so is deceased, we've filed his will, we've opened up a probate proceeding, and creditors uh, have a time period to file claims against the estate. I see. They also, uh, you have to be bonded, so it's expensive. You have to be bonded, you have to pay to advertise in the paper, you have to make yourself open to any claims from creditors, you have to pay known creditors, so six months is about the fastest this whole thing could work, but most of the time it takes a little, little bit longer than that. So we say six months to a year. Understood. Now, that's just part of the process. Uh, what are some of the challenges during that process that you have to defend yourself of? Well, you have to, uh, you have to receive. If somebody files a claim on the estate, you have to decide whether it's a valid claim or whether you have to challenge it. I see. Uh, once you get started on the proceeding, so if a person had four children and they omitted one and left to three, there's a time period now where you, the will can be challenged. I see. The most common challenge to wills are basically undue influence or incompetence. And believe it or not, undue influence is the, the most popular claim. Wow. So, so that works. That, here's how that works. So this happens or it, it, uh, they attempt to do it probably every week in my office. 
So um, one of the children now has become a caregiver for the parent. Maybe right. they might have quit their job, moved from up north to take care of mom or dad uh, at home. So they, they give up a lot. They come in and take care of parent. They bring parent to my office. Okay. And parent wants to change their will. Instead of three equal shares, it's uh, everything to one right. or 50, 25, 25 now. But the person that brought them is going to be benefited from the change. I see. So now all the other ones have to do is to contest the will, uh, and they're going to allege undue influence. So they're going to get the one who got favored, the one who brought the parent to the office. Uh, they're going to ask 50 questions to make them look bad. Right. Did you bring them to the office? Were you in the office? Did you talk about this? Did you, uh, you, how, you know, they asked them 50 questions to make, make them look bad, basically, and they usually win in those arguments because they brought them to the office. So as you can see, folks, we're going to a little more on uh, from Joe when we come back from the break. But as you can see, there's so many details and things you need to understand. Uh, this process can be a little bit complicated. And there's factors out there that are attempting to make it more so, uh, to muddy the water. So you need an ally, someone, a trusted advisor. Don't forget uh, Joe Pippen. He's a partner on the show here. Come back and uh, let's find out what the best way to handle this situation would be. ConsumerQB.com. Hey, this is Jarek Robbins. You are listening to the Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rimes. Please do what it takes to learn all that you have to to live the life you want to live. Live it fully and find a way to give it by paying it forward to others. Get in touch with Brandon online at ConsumerQB.com. Hey, Brandon Rimes here, host of the Consumer Quarterback Show, owner of Platinum MVP Team at Keller Williams Realty. We're hosting a buyer-seller seminar February 28th at Cox Media Group, 1025 The Bone Studio, 6 to 8 p.m. Buyer-seller seminar. It's a free event. Register on our website at ConsumerQB.com. Learn all that you need to know about real estate, credit, improvement, buying, selling, or investing at our buyer-seller seminar on February 28th, 6 to 8 p.m. Cox Media Group on 4th Street North in St. Petersburg. Check out ConsumerQB.com. Brandon Rimes here, owner of the Platinum MVP team at Keller Williams Realty. We want to offer a rent versus own analysis to anyone renting. Text the word rent in the amount of rent that you're paying to our consumer advocate hotline, 813-670-7372. Text the word rent in the amount of rent that you're paying to 813-670-7372. We're going to hook you up with a rent versus own analysis and break it down how easy we can get you into home ownership with 100% financing options available. ConsumerQB.com. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rimes, online at ConsumerQB.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. Welcome back. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rimes. My name is James DeJerome. I'm sitting in for Brandon today. Uh, joining me today on the show, Attorney Joe Pippen, providing quite a bit of knowledge for me about estate planning and all the things that uh, you need to know about wills and probate and that kind of thing. We were just discussing the probate process. I, I didn't understand really how it worked, and uh, Joe was explaining what it is and what it's about. Uh, let's talk about trust, Joe. Okay. What, what is a trust? Well, I call a trust a fancy will. Okay. In fact, if you came to my office and you told, asked me that you wanted a will or told me you wanted a will... I would uh, automatically give you a choice between a will or a trust. But the information that I would need from you is the same for each document. Okay. So basically what a trust is, a fancy will, uh, they call it a living trust because you create it while you're living. Mm -hmm. And when you die, the trust is still living. So the assets are not in a deceased person's name upon your death. 
So the assets in a deceased person's name have to go through probate. Because, you know, if you have a bank account and now you're deceased, well, the bank account is in the name of the deceased, and no one has the legal authority to deal with that asset except for probate. Some arbitrator has to well, make no. a decision. Well, no, you need to be appointed. Uh, the court needs to give the personal representative nominated in the will the power to deal with that account. Gotcha. And only a bank, you know, I like to give this example. So um, father leaves son everything in a will. Mm-hmm. He nominates the son as a personal representative and says, I'll leave 100% of all of my real and personal property to my son. Right. So father dies. Uh, son walks into the bank with the will, shows the bank the will. Hey, this is my dad's will. He died. Here's his death certificate. Look at this will. It leaves everything to me. Points me the personal representative. He uh, pulls out his ID and says, give me the money. Right. You think the bank's going to give him the money? He can't because you just said it has to go probate now because he died. Yeah. So the bank's going to say, well, hey, I don't know if that's the last will. What you need is you need a letter signed by a judge. It's called a letter of administration. You bring one of those in and I'll give you the money. Gotcha. But, but if you don't go, you have to go through probate to get that. So when you have a living trust, you create a living trust, and along the way, father would have changed his account name from father to father trustee date of the trust. So now son walks into the bank with the trust. She said, hey, my dad had a living trust. He brought that in, and he changed his bank. You, the bank changed his bank accounts to father trustee date of the trust. Here's his death certificate. I'm the successor trustee. Right. Here, and here's my ID. Now give me the money. Well, guess what? They give him the money because it was planned that way. It makes a lot of sense that uh, the trust makes, it, it, it seems to be this, the smarter way to go about it or the, the, the least contested way to go about it. Oh, yeah. It? It's easy. No probate. Quick and easy. No no long delay. No six months to a year. Can be, a lot of times it can be done in a month or so. Uh, sometimes I've done them where people have closed everything in a couple of weeks. It can be very quick. It's not a public record. You didn't have to be bonded uh, and so forth. And you know what? Uh, a lot of listeners out there your age have minor children. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You can't leave money directly to a minor child. So what, what happens then? You force a probate and a guardianship. So a guardian now has to be appointed the money for, or for the minor. So when you have a trust, you say, I give equally to my three children. If one of them is a minor, then the money's held inside that trust uh, until they turn to whatever age you want. So 21, 25. I had a, a client this morning that did... A third of the estate at 25, a half of the remaining balance at 30, and then the remainder at 35. So they did a 10-year stretch. The child was 14. Well, who knows how 14 is going to turn out? Who knows if they're going to have addictions? Who knows who their friends are going to be? Who knows if they can be easily influenced? You you don't know. So you do a little stretch at the start. And then if the child develops nicely, you know, he's got a Ph.D. by the time he's 22 and very financially astute. In, in control of their life, making good decisions, well, hey, you could give it to them outright if you wanted to. Uh, so a trust also, if you have, a like we talked about earlier, uh, an addiction uh, family member, mm-hmm. if you give them their one-third outright, guess what? You've just uh, enabled. enabled the addiction. Right. So what you do is you give them a monthly amount of money, and then you have it subject to random and mandatory testing. And if the addiction pops up, then you suspend the distribution, but the money can be used for uh, medical and rehab. Makes sense. Uh, so you, suppose you have a spendthrift. You just stretch out the money. You don't give it to them all at once. You don't allow them to spend it all at once. Suppose you have a child on government benefits. You give them a lump sum of money, guess what? They lose their benefits. So you can have their share, their, say their one-third share, go into what's called a supplemental needs trust. 
So the trustee now of this supplemental needs trust can dole out the money for the extra and supplemental needs to this child that doesn't disrupt his government benefits. And, and at such time as he becomes 18 or whatever, then he'll take, you can structure that, I suppose. Well, no, you, you don't give them money that would disrupt their government benefits. I have a, spe- a good example is I have a special needs brother um, since birth. Okay. He's severely handicapped. He's uh, now in a state-run facility in Gainesville. It's a wonderful place, two or 300 acres. They have cottages of 12 residents with around-the-clock care. Now, my dad was, uh, had my uh, brother on private pay for a long time. My dad was the president of an insurance company. He sought out the best care he could get for my brother. Uh, but now, uh, when he retired and everything, things worked out the way he's on medication. Sure. Now, if my father, and I did their, my parents were both 94 and living and doing well, wow. but I did their estate plan. If I had done that plan to where 50% of their estate went to me and 50% went to my brother, he would have immediately uh, lost all of his government benefits. He would have uh, not been able to stay in the place he's been at for 20 years now, probably. He would have had to go on private pay. All of the money that would have gone to him would have, uh, with the type of care he needs would have been exhausted very, very quickly. And he would not have been able to return back to where uh, he is now mm-hmm. because they're not accepting new, new uh, patients or clients. So a tremendous mistake would have been made for any parent who would have left money outright like that. To, uh, all with the best intention. Yeah. So uh, the trusts come in handy because you can dole out money for extra and supplemental needs. You can uh, not enable addictions. You can help someone who would spend it and waste it unwisely very quickly by giving them a monthly allowance. Estate planning, you can do great things with estate planning. And if you don't do, um, if you don't do estate planning or you sometimes have unwise distributions, you can do great harm. Yeah, it sounds like uh, even with the best intentions, you can still make mistakes because uh, they're kids, you love them, you want, of course you want them to have your assets. You, you don't think of the consequences. Absolutely. Now, some, uh, some of our listeners have pets. Sure. So do you think about your pet doing your estate plan? I mean, I, I, so, I can see how that would work. Now I have, a, I have uh, clients that have, you know, 20 horses. Yeah. They, they have one instructions about how money is going to be used for horses. They might have uh, several dogs or cats. They want them properly cared for. Sometimes they're their children. They don't have children. Right. Their pets are their children. So there's a lot of special things you can do for pets in your, consider, uh, in your estate plan that you don't normally think about either. So uh, if you're out there listening and you're thinking, boy, I didn't consider all this, you're not alone. Uh, Attorney Joe Pippen has a host, a radio tele, uh, radio show rather, every weekend has people calling in for advice all day long because this is an area where people just don't have the knowledge. Uh, we're going to come back uh, after the break and talk to Joe about all the different things he does. But before that, uh, trust versus will and the cost of probate, some of the things we did here, uh, when you're asking parents to think ahead or to structure the, uh, over 10 years, you mentioned one mm-hmm. even more, longer than that, uh, how is the, the amortization of the money or, or is the money held with some interest gaining during that time? Or? Oh, yeah. The trustee uh, that is chosen by the parent can choose where to hold the money. So if they, <clears throat> if they want to have it in a brokerage account right, or a bank account. You know, it can be, it can be. Uh, so those are, those are all factors you consider. Uh, where is the money going to be held at such time as they receive the funds? How are they going to be received? Uh, there's a lot of details in, in the, in the paperwork that has to be worked out. Yeah. The trustee has total control of how to invest the money. Okay. So usually the best thing is to get a, a good financial advisor. 
because the trustee is not going to have the financial wisdom about um, the market necessarily or right. what types of financial products to do. So the attorney can help with that. The financial advisor can help with that. But it's totally up to the trustee. Makes perfect sense that you need a team of folks out there or someone with the knowledge to help you get through this kind of thing. And it's difficult to think about, you know, your death and, and your family surviving, but it's something you better do. And we're going to come back and talk to Joe more about the documents you need to have and be prepared for what might come. Uh, this is the Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rimes, ConsumerQB.com. Hey, I'm Ken Shamrock, and you're here with Consumer Quarterback Show. And I say, Brandon Rhymes, knock out your competition. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. Listening to the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at consumerqb.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rhymes. I'm your backup quarterback, James DeJerome, sitting in the chair today. I've got attorney Joe Pippen joining me on the program. We've been discussing uh, wills and living trusts and all the kind of documentation you require uh, if you're going to face the idea of passing your assets on to somebody else. Uh, we had talked a lot about uh, how families have to deal with this, and it's, it's tough to talk about some of this stuff. You've seen some personal issues, I'm sure, where the siblings are, are engaged in a fight over a particular asset or they, they want to change the way the, the wills or trust is laid out. Uh, it can get difficult to, med- to mediate those kind of things, I'm sure. Oh, sure. And I can't represent all the beneficiaries, so usually I can only represent the trustee or the personal representative of the estate. But you know what they fight about most are some of the personal things, like who gets mom's uh, wedding band or med- wedding ring and who gets dad's military pistol and who gets the grand piano and who gets this painting and this family Bible that's been uh, signed by somebody. And uh, they fight over little small personal things, sometimes a lot more than money. So the way to deal uh, for a parent, let's say, that's doing estate planning to deal with that is the wills that I do, for example, authorize a separate writing. A separate writing is where you can take those uh, special non-titled personal effects, jewelry, furniture, uh, historical family items. You can itemize those and list those and sign it and attach that to the will, and that would probably dispose of those items. So there's a way to deal with the things that you've promised a child. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get arguments, well, you know, dad or mom promised me this. Yes. And no one heard that but the person who took it, you know, so you have no way of really proving it. So the way to deal with that is to do a separate writing where you actually itemize, itemize the personal things. So uh, given that this can become quite personal and uh, you're dealing with family relations that go back years and years, uh, you better find someone in terms of your estate planner or someone you're seeking advice from that you have a relationship with. You're going you're gonna to have a relationship over time and you're going to want to trust this person. Uh, when you figure out who to pick for your estate planning attorney or how to select somebody, is there a, a, a logical progression or some, some way to help guide you in terms of how to find the right person? 
Well, there um, you can call the local bar association, for example, and they have a list of estate planning attorneys. You could go to your bank, and their trust department has a list of estate planning attorneys. Uh, friends and neighbors had who have had good experiences with estate planning attorneys can often give referrals. I'm sure that's the basis for most people's feeling yeah, confident well, in their I've attorney had, selection. You know, I've done radio for a long time, so people feel like they get to know me mm-hmm. somewhat over a period of years, and they develop a trust or they, they like me for some reason. Uh, I've done numerous uh, radio and television shows over the years. I was nationally syndicated for two years with my show in 39 states and 80-some cities so lots with the of same type format. But I can only pra- I figured out that that was, I was just an ego trip. I shouldn't be on, that I can only practice law in Florida, so maybe I should just stick to Florida law. Because the laws are different in every state. Right. And, you know, I can't, I, my answers had to be too general because I didn't want to make a mistake or give bad advice. So I can really nail an answer, particularly in estate planning, which is my primary focus area. Do you uh, find variance among states? How much kind of variance have you found? Well, yeah, some, you know, like their California, Texas, or their uh, community property states are totally different than the common law states. Uh, there are differences. I was doing deeds for a while. I would do a quit claim deed uh, in a uh, another state and would find out something that was slightly different in that state I should have known. So I figured, and I'm not licensed in those states, so we quit doing out-of-state deeds a long time ago. Makes sense. And we just ha- find an attorney that can help our client with an out-of-state deed. For example, if a client has a living trust and they have uh, real estate in multiple states, well, guess what? you got probate in multiple states because real estate is probated wherever it's situated. I can create one trust, and pro- they can put all of their property in the different states into one trust, but we need to find an attorney in those states just to do those deeds. So they you could know, avoid probate in each one of those states, but it takes an attorney that's in that state. One trust, one Florida trust can hold a, a piece of real estate in all 50 states. It's just that I can't do those deeds in other states. Uh, so we just help, help our client. Because you know, who wants to go through all of those probates? Right. In every case, there's going to be a, an attorney in that state to handle the probate. And the fees are, you know, our minimal fee is like 2500 for a probate. And that could be a $50,000 estate. So a big so, chunk. Yeah, so if it's, you know, it's, it's 3% or 2500 whichever is uh, the most. So if you want to, and that would be in every state, you have to go through probate. Right. And if real estate's worth, you know, a couple hundred... Two three hundred thousand dollars, and you have multiple ones of those in multiple states. You got really huge fees, but one trust can house all of that to avoid probate in all those states. Absolutely, the way to do it. And then you would also kind of rely on your estate planning attorney to have a network of of people in those jurisdictions that could that would be the contact person. Yeah, a lot of us belong. Like I belong to the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. So, I mean, I could find an attorney in that state. There's also a great uh, website that I direct people to once in a while where you can find an attorney in that state. So it's the knowledge base and the fact that Joe's been in the market for so long that helps him immediately understand your needs. You may not know what you need. As Again, just like me, I'm, I'm out there a single guy with no kids feeling like, why would I need all this stuff? Boy, you better have your ducks in a row because you'll get caught in a situation where you're just not able to defend yourself. Yeah, one of the most important decisions people make when they're doing a will or a trust is who do you want to choose as the personal representative? And who do you want to be the successor trustee? Who, who do you want to handle things? Who's the most financially astute? Who's the most uh, can, who's financially astute that can get along with everyone? Right. Um, who's, going to be, who's going to get to it and get it done quickly? Who's not going to put it off and just let it sit there and not do anything for six months? So you so, better find someone who has uh, the ability to, to handle 
uh, everything that's coming at them in terms of your own family. <laughs> you know what yeah, your family's like. Well, sometimes like. all it is is to go find an attorney to help you, and sometimes people just put table that and don't get to it. You know, it's be aggravating to other family members. So um, if you go through, uh, and here's the difference between wills and trusts too. If you had a will and died and it has to go through probate, that whole process is going to take six months to a year. If you choose the capable, get-it-done type of trustee to take over your estate when you die, then I've had many, many of those come in where the trustee comes in and I can tell them what to do, give them a list of what to do, and they don't come back. I mean, they can get it done themselves without an attorney very quickly and easily. What would that list entail, Joe? Well, you know, you well with a trust, you have to get a tax number. You have to uh, marshal or collect the assets. You have to pay bills, you know, maybe get the mail, divert it to your uh, place that you receive mail, uh, collect the mail, discover all the assets, probably liquidate most of the assets and turn them to cash. Uh, and all of the beneficiaries are entitled to an accounting. So once they all get their accounting, once they accept this as the final accounting and you calculate out their share, so you give them, I always give them a copy of the check and get them to approve and release the trustee, approve the accounting. When you get all of those back, then you release the money. Well, you can um, see how there's a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross, so it may take some time if you don't have your documents in order. Yeah, we don't just release the checks one by one and uh, hoping they're going to sign the papers and send them back. Right. And then if one has a dispute and we have to change things and we have to recalculate things a little bit sometimes... And so if I have, you know, three checks out there and the last one comes in and says, well, I don't agree, you you didn't do this or you didn't do that. Uh, so now you got to recalculate, you just right, those try funds. to get those checks back and sometimes they, they don't, re, you know. Uh, I'm sure most people cash those immediately. Yeah, exactly. So part of uh, understanding the law and, and the differences in the laws in different states, because most people have family members spread out across the country in different locations. They have different levels of real estate investment or different investments. It's really quite a bit, uh, can be daunting to gather all that stuff and get it all put together so that you understand where you are. You need to start the process regardless of your age and regardless of where you are uh, in your health, in your mind, you feel, well, I'm healthy, I'm strong. I wouldn't need to deal with any of this stuff. That's exactly when you need to deal with it because once something happens, then you're not in a position to handle this. Yeah, I had a client this uh, this morning, and I he what his plan was is he wanted to uh, have paid on death accounts. So you set up a bank account, you set up a brokerage account, and you name a beneficiary on the account. Okay. And he wanted to give different amounts of money to uh, a bunch of different people. So I said, well, look, you know, what happens if you have a stroke and your power attorney goes in to get money to help you? Which one of these accounts is he going to he or, is he or she going to choose? And isn't that going to totally disrupt your plan hmm. of what you tried to give someone? Because you've got all these different accounts. I said the best way to do this is to have a trust, get all of these accounts into one trust, and then just give these people a, a, a percentage of the estate. And that way, if your estate goes up, you know everybody gets a little more. If it goes down, everybody gets a little bit less. But you've got it nailed down. You don't. You're not trying to. Uh, juggle your accounts all the time to give someone an exact amount of money on a paid-on-death account where just that account goes to them, and you've got 12 different accounts with different amounts in each account. The problem is if that money has to be used for your care, how, how is anyone going to know which one of these are more important to you than the other one? So the thing to do is to marshal everything into one bucket, one trust, mm -hmm. 
and have the trustee pay your bills and distribute the percentage that you want to give this uh, person. And that would be so much better and much more organized and probably should give you much more peace of mind than what you have now. And that would be based on the priorities you've established with them prior. Right. So that you'd feel comfortable that they know where I, where I stood on this. Well, sometimes I have to take the total value of the estate, uh, take the amount of money they wanted to give someone and convert that back to a percentage of their account today. Sure. Now, five years from now, it's going to be all different. I mean, the, the amount's going to be different. But if you do it by percentages, then they would all get, you know, get get an amount close to what you in, intended right. them for based on the size of their estate. Be very hard otherwise to handle that because there'd be so many con- conflicting uh, information and numbers. Absolutely. All right. So, so as you can see, estate planning, very, very important and something most people don't have a handle on. Attorney Joe Pippins here with us. He'll be here Saturday on the air as well doing his radio show, which he's done for, for a long time in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, we're going to provide some more information for you in our closing segment here. Stay with us. Attorney Joe Pippen on the Consumer Quarterback Show, ConsumerQB.com. This is work done, and you're listening to the Real Estate Quarterback Show hosted by my man, Brandon Rimes. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372, online at ConsumerQB.com. House or condo? House. Three bedrooms or four? Three. On the golf course or next to the lake? Both. Choosing the perfect house involves some tough choices. Where to find it? That choice is easy. Homesandland.com. There are thousands of listings from the area's top realtors. Search by bedrooms, by price, and choose just the features you want. And in Homes and Land magazine, you'll find full-color photos and detailed property descriptions. For a free copy, call 1-800-277-7800 or visit homesandland.com. Brandon Rimes here, owner of the Platinum MVP team at Keller Williams Realty. We want to offer a rip versus own analysis. Analysis to anyone renting, text the word rent in the amount of rent that you're paying to our consumer advocate hotline, 813-670-7372. Text the word rent in the amount of rent that you're paying to 813-670-7372. We're going to hook you up with a rent versus own analysis and break it down how easy we can get you into home ownership with 100% financing options available. ConsumerQB.com. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rimes, online at ConsumerQB.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. Welcome back. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rimes. My name is James DeJerome. I'm sitting in for Brandon today. I've got attorney Joe Pippen here on the show. We've been learning a lot about estate planning, wills, trusts. Uh, and I realize, you know, I didn't have my, my documents were not in order. I, and I'm sure a lot of folks listening out there are in the same position I'm in. Uh, and when I look at, I, I did, as I said, I had to do a little research because I did not even have the foggiest idea what all the levels of estate planning are. But I came across a lot of celebrities and famous folks that were in the same position I'm in that did not have any documents in order, didn't have anything uh, in place at the time of their death. And consequently, their estate was handled very oddly and with a lot of contested uh, litigation that went back and forth and just very messy. You must run into that all the time. Well, absolutely. People uh, wait and wait and wait and sometimes they don't get around to it. I had a call one uh, Sunday morning at my home. Know how this lady got my phone number at home, but she called me at home and says, "I'm in the hospital. Listened to your show for a long time. I'm in the hospital. I want to know if you can come over to the hospital and help me do my estate plan." 
And I said, well, yeah, I'll be glad to. She says, oh, good, thank you so much. And she says, I'll call you back. I'm not quite sick enough yet, was what she said. <laughs> uh, and guess what? She died about two weeks later, never having called oh, me back. Gosh. And then her family came in, and then they told them about how this is going to have to go through probate and everything because mom died without a will, even though she wanted to do one, and she might have verbally told you what she wanted to do. Verbal doesn't count in estate planning. And now we have to go through a probate proceeding. And then, then they almost died, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. From, from the costs. Yeah, uh, can, but, you know, Prince died. Yeah. <clears throat> Channel 13 came out to interview me when Prince died uh, for a little segment about people who don't do their estate planning and what happens when you don't. And yeah. we went through that in the first segment. But basically, uh, some of these, um, somebody else famous died and they, they had a handicapped sibling who was going to get money. They're going to lose their government benefits. Right. They weren't aware. Yeah, they weren't aware. And, you know, Prince, how could you have the zillions of dollars that he had and mm-hmm. not been worried about taxes? Because you can plan for taxes in your state plan uh, to avoid taxes. You can create charitable trust or charitable foundations. And, you know, he could have paid zero tax and money all gone for good purposes. It's amazing. One of the reasons I think that I'm unprepared is because I don't, honestly, I think I don't have anything. <laughs> what do I possibly have? That, and I looked down the list of folks who made the same mistake I make, and it's Jimi Hendrix, Howard Hughes. Bob Marley, Kurt Cobain, Tupac, uh, Sonny Bono. These people are wealthy, billionaires. How did they not consider the fact that all that money and, is just... You know they have multiple attorneys doing various things for them, but just not imagine? estate planning. Yeah, can you imagine how many well, attorneys tried to carve uh, that Well, here's the football uh, story. Joe Robbie Sure, owner, the previous owner of the Dolphins. Without estate planning. And his football, they had to sell the football team. His estate had to sell the football team to pay the estate taxes. And you realize... Just lack of planning. Absolutely an asset he wanted to pass on to his family to keep in the family. But he couldn't because of estate taxes and no planning. So having wealth and having attorneys, that does not uh, mean that you've, you're in a good position. It means you've got to get your documents in order. Now, Michael Jackson died and had a trust. Sure. Guess what? He didn't put his real estate in the trust. So his California, was it uh, Wonder? Yeah, Neverland. Never, whatever it was, he didn't put that in the trust. So he had an unfunded trust as far as his home, which was a very valuable oh asset. Oh, my gosh. And now that, just because he had a trust didn't mean it, everything avoided probate. You had to be active to put things into the trust. And, of course, right away, siblings, family member, everyone starts arguing and fighting over it. Yep. Man, what a mess. And, uh, you know, all of his gold records and things that people wanted or family members wanted. And they would be fighting over those probably. Sure. Uh, so, so you can do some bad things by not not playing at all. And it's it's not as if, uh, as I said, if, you, if you're not worried about passing your wealth on to the next generation or your kids or whatever, it's a question of being able to control your assets, period. Uh, it, the state's going to come right in and do what they need to do. Well, the state, uh, they what they do is they set up the system that you have to go through. And they, they by statute, they have a statutory will. So if you didn't want to leave money to, if you don't, your parents, you have no spouse, no children and parents, and you definitely don't want to leave the money to equally to your siblings, guess what? By doing nothing, you did. And if one sibling has uh, special needs or something, you've really messed up their life, perhaps by giving them money that now they have to super plan not to have money to keep, to keep their government benefits. Because I think in most people's minds, if they were to die without a will or trust in place, in their head, they're thinking there would be equitable distribution to all next of kin. You know, just cut it up into equal pieces and give everyone. But that's not the way it's going to go. Well, it's just unfortunate. Uh, People, you know, you work your whole lifetime to accumulate your assets, and you can't spend an hour to get your estate planning done. Yeah. 
And by doing that, you've just allowed now the state to take over, basically, and you have to follow their statutory scheme of things, follow all of their rules, and distribute the money according to what the state the state statute says. And, you know, uh, that, that scenario, I'm sure, plays out a lot, and, and it's not great. But think about not dying but becoming incapacitated, and you have not made these decisions. Well, that's worse because guardianship is ongoing and very expensive. Yeah, I, could, I mean, that would be the absolute worst situation I could imagine. You know, and speaking at seminars, uh, which, again, if, if you'd like to have me come to speak to your group, uh, usually just turn it into an Ask an Attorney show, speak a little bit and right. answer questions from the audience. I would love to do that. My toll-free office number... For either appointments or speaking engagements is 1-800-226-3529. One of the uh, things I get from the audience once in a while, the husband will raise his hand and say, well, my wife and I own everything jointly. Doesn't it just automatically go to my spouse if I die first? That's an assumption I would make. That's true. So I said, well, look, you know, yes, it would avoid probate. But, you know, most uh, times I get that question from the husband who thinks he's going to die first, so he never has to worry about it. (laughs) And then you leave the burden on your spouse who's going to be distraught and depressed for a couple of years, not wanting to really get to it herself. And you'd be so much better if husband and wife would do this together. Sure. So it's all done when the first one dies. It makes a lot of sense. You don't want to have to do these things at that time of duress, you know, when you're under duress like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just because you're going to die first, you know, don't leave the burden on your spouse. Right. Either way. Because guess what? The one who dies first is the one who writes the checks, makes the investments, makes most of the d- decisions. And now the one left behind is stuck with a new new job, something they've never done, probably don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But now they're stuck with it. And plus they uh, have to deal with having just lost their spouse as well. And perhaps so, the anxiety of dealing with other creditors or people coming after some of the uh, some of the assets. Exactly. And you know, then it's just gonna, they're just going to go downhill even faster. So you've so, been in that position where you've luckily seen a, uh, a client defend themselves by having their documentation correct and have uh, being able to survive a, a, an attack from another litigant trying to uh, make a claim on that estate. Oh, yeah. If you do your estate planning uh, properly, then you've, you've set yourself up to do the very best you can and the best for your family and to deal with issues like that. And part of what we do, as well as estate planning, is asset protection planning. So there are a list of uh, assets in Florida that are exempt from creditors. Like okay. your homestead's exempt from creditor. No, nobody can sue or take your home. And even if you go in a, a nursing home, that's a non-countable asset that doesn't count against you for qualifying for Medicaid. I'm uh, not sure I understand that, Joe. Explain that one time. All right. So uh, to qualify for Medicaid, you basically have to be poor. Okay. So the house in Florida, your homestead, is free from the claims of creditors. So basically for Medicaid planning, it's a, it's a, a non-countable asset. So the value of the house does not disqualify you for Medicaid. Okay. And then when you die, the homestead goes can descend to uh, your children uh, free from the claims of any creditor. So if you built up this huge nursing home bill over the many years you stayed there, it's not they can't come take your home. Um, for lawsuits, insurance uh, products, annuity products, and retirement accounts are exempt from creditors. Okay. So you have a big car accident on the way home today. They can't take your homestead. They can't take your insurance. They can't take your annuity. They can't take your retirement plan. Uh, those are exempt assets from a lawsuit. So most of the times on asset protection, we strongly advise a person to have an umbrella policy. So they're going to have an insurance policy over top of their regular car and home insurance. So if you have a million-dollar umbrella policy, which might cost six or $700, 
and you're involved in a lawsuit, most likely that would be enough to settle the lawsuit without going against, without the insurance company popping out there $100,000 and saying, well, the rest is on you. Then you have a million dollars worth of extra coverage for a little, just a little bit of money. It's called an umbrella policy. Now, you determine at what time that makes sense based on the value of the assets that you have? Yes, and the liability. Well, you know, you don't want to lose your ass. You don't want to lose your car and your um, bank accounts and everything if you can help it. So for a little bit of money, you can get a policy to cover the you – ca- you cause a uh, 30-car crash on I-4. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have some big liability there. And if you were at fault, you can, you can at least have enough – you might not have enough coverage for, of a million dollars for that many accidents that you cause. But that's what most people do to protect – to protect themselves. Listeners of the Consumer Quarterback Show know that we take great pride here on the show of providing information and knowledge to you. And certainly today, Attorney Joe Pippen did just that. Uh, I was completely uneducated in the world of estate planning and wills and trusts and what they are. And I hope most of you out there are not as uneducated as I am about this because it sounds like it's very important and it's something that you need to take care of. Uh, Joe's got the show Saturday. How else? What's the best way to, to get in touch with you, Joe? I'm sure people want to talk to you. Yeah, if you would like my free estate planning poster sheet, which covers a lot of the things that we talked about today, you get it one of three ways, and you can uh, use this also to contact us for appointments. You can call the 1-800 number, just 1-800-226-3529. That's 1-800-226-3529. You can email me, Joe, J-O-E. I need your name and address if you want the poster sheet, J-O-E at A-T-T-Y-P-I-P. Dot com. You can text me at 727-667-3967. That's Attorney Joe Pippen here on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Great show today. We're so happy to provide that information to you. We want you to consider committing a random act of kindness, just like Brandon says. Go out there and be nice to each other. Let's not be divisive. Let's be uh, together. Let's unify each other, huh? Consumer Quarterback Show, ConsumerQB.com. You've been listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. Whether it's real estate, consumer, or financial advice, let Brandon call your next play. Contact Brandon Rhymes at 813-670-7372. That's 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. And join us next time for the Consumer Quarterback Show, weekday afternoons at 5 on AM 1380. The Biz.